listening to Pick Hard Talk exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome listeners to another episode of Picard Talk. This week is episode 7, Nepenthe. And once again, the two marks are delivering an irreverent view, providing you lively debate, conversation and social commentary. Debating frequencies are open, discussion grenades are at the ready, and like a reality TV show, we're keeping up with the Kardashians. Has our Lord of the Rings hero finally met his match? Will we see Riker, Troy and Worf in a menage a trois? Will Rios appear outside the shower curtain of another female crew member? All this and more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host Mr Mark Pollard. Hi. Hello, how are you? Oh, made up. I really enjoyed this one. I've gone all fanboy. There's no disputing as to whether I like this one. You sound really jolly about this. Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry at any moment. Oh my word. Well, let's get our tissues at the ready for tears, obviously. We're also joined by a very special guest who will help us vigorously masturbate. Good day to you, sir. Good day, Marks, plural. Thank you for having me. Are you well? I am very well, thank you. This is our first guest on the show, which is always very exciting. I feel we need to, in order to be in our clan, we need to vet you properly to see whether you are a grade A nerd or not. Quick fire questions. Firstly, how long have you been a Trekkie? Uh, since the age of very... Uh, since I was very young. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's relative. How old are you now? 35. Okay, so that is relative. So my dad got me into the original series, but then Next Gen was what I grew up with. So okay. Next Gen was my Trek. Well, I was going to say, what? who's your captain? Picard, flying the flag for the Baldies. But Cisco as well, big fan of Cisco. Yeah. You we, see, we say that. Well, we had yeah. a debate about this originally. We did actually, yeah. On Disco Fever, which is coming out very soon, guys. We have this very exact debate Picard was my captain but you've got to love the Cisco haven't you the slightly on edge slightly warped craziness of him big fan how would you rate them in, in the five captains what would you do if you were top five Picard Cisco not Janeway Kirk what about Archer though you can't have Janeway below Archer I would go Janeway Archer Kirk it's just Janeway's voice so you'd have Kirk bottom it's only because you've got five it's only because you've got five I know but he's the original I, I see mean, I would probably go the- Janeway Kirk Archer then if you're going to push me it's just Archer's bottom thing. for me by pardon Archer's, Archer's bottom? bottom for me yeah Archer's bottom I don't think that's in it <laughs> well, well that's not even a question left- my friend Ben we didn't ask you that <laughs> that's a statement isn't it yeah. <laughs> well appreciate you telling us where you stand on that but uh, that wasn't what I asked you the original series probably my least favourite Trek series by virtue of the fact that it was dated by the time I was old enough to appreciate it but Kirk's like the original captain and you still had the original films that were coming out while I was growing up whereas Archer Enterprise is okay-ish but he's probably the least captivating that and even though Janeway does sound like she's permanently sucking on a helium balloon mm. I still did quite like her so which was your favourite Trek film? I'm turning the questions on you now so. I know this they is how mine. Mine. Just... doesn't happen like this he's more professional than we are already <laughs> controversially mine I'll say The Isn't Voyage it? Home I, you know it's cheesy The Voyage Home but, yeah it is yeah. Are we talking the original series or any? Any. any. It's got to be Insurrection, hasn't it? First oh, Contact. Uh, first Contact. Yeah, sorry, first sorry. Contact. Oh, Scratch on. that. Okay. First Contact. That's the one I meant. Ask the I question, just used ask the the question again. We... <laughs> no, no. Leave my blooper in. That's okay. I'll, I'll own that. But yeah, it's very much First Contact's the best one. I would agree with that. Well, yeah. I mean, Insurrection's okay. It gets a bit daft. It's a bit of a love romancy thing, isn't it? The status quo changes. Mm. Picard comes in. Well, I quite like Generations as well. I was about to say that. Because that was the first film 
film after the TV series, and so they'd introduce new rooms and new add-ons, and they were wearing different uniforms, which was quite literally didn't fit. Over excited. Well, it was it was just like, oh my god, it's it's you the same the, but different. You know, the uniforms were the ones they've took off Deep Space Nine because they didn't have a budget for uniforms. Was it? Yeah. The reason why, if you uh, listen to the interview with Riker, he says that he spent most of the time in a boiler suit with his sleeves rolled up because it didn't fit, <laughs> and Georgia LaForge was wearing Cole Meany's uniform from Deep Space Nine, which is why it doesn't fit. If you look at how it sits on him, the reason why they have ill-fitting uniforms and also a plethora of all ever uniforms from all of the next generation, including the One Piece miniskirt and the next generation uniform with the high neck pips, is because of the costumes. They ran out of budget. I find that difficult to accept. When you've got that budget and you're recycling somebody's second-hand pants, it just feels a bit odd. It's like, just go to Primark or any other cheap clothing outlet and just buy another pair of pants. If you look at anything... Well, just ask Michael Bay. He recycles footage from his old films. He recycles shit ideas as well. Yeah, Transformers, <laughs> yeah. the uh, motorway scenes is from the island, and all he's done is CGI robots in. That's it. If you look at classic 80s sci-fi movie, you have most people wearing the old Battlestar Galactica costumes because that obviously got cancelled, and most sci-fi stories, including Battle for the Stars, I think it was, uh, most Roger Gorman films are all recycled ships from different sci-fi movies. It does happen. I mean, I take what you're saying in a movie budget. Totally right. They must have put more money into visual effects and post-production stuff than than doing costume and wardrobe. I think the long and short of it is that you seem to have passed the test. (laughs) He's certainly better at Trek than I have. While we were watching it before, and as always, we're now recording this on the back of having just watched it, he threw in a, oh, isn't that the name of Troy's dead sister? And I was like, dude, you already know more than me. I need need that to be fact-checked, though, because I'm not... Oh, no, 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 I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) You you let the Trek fans decide whether or not you're true people. Yeah. I don't know what we're establishing here. We're just saying stuff and hoping people don't pick us up on it. Well, what what we'll do (laughs) is... He's amazing! What we'll do is we'll throw Ben's Twitter handle into this as well, and then he can get bombarded with everybody going, oh, I think I'll find... Angry Trekkies. The Philadelphia lawyers are fueling on the tarmac as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some polls to run through. On the back of last week's show, we throw out a couple of polls, so every time there's an episode, we invite you to throw your comments in. We didn't get as many comments this week because the show was a little bit later out than we'd normally plan, so make sure that this week you let us know what your thoughts are. Every opinion is valid. They're like arseholes. We've all got one. Let us know what they are, and that's all good. Last week's thoughts on the show, we had the options of episode six. Drunken Stupor, Rebound Sex, Hugh Dunwell's son, or was it Footballing Wizardry? And 78% of people all thought it was a Hugh Dunwell's son. Most people thought last week was an all right, pretty decent episode, which okay. I think is fair. We also threw out, I came across this in a discussion thread online about the Seven of Nine, Batman-esque taking justice into her own hands thread and whether or not it was something that we should accept on a morality basis it appreciates in a tv show the question was what are your thoughts on the morality of seven of nine's actions at the end of stardust city rags when she basically bumps off the person who'd killed echeb and the options were was it justified was it understandable but still wrong or was it wrong on all levels it was a 50 50 split between people thinking it was just purely justified and people thinking it was understandable but wrong and what did you think <laughs> you're torn aren't 
aren't you? Because if it, she was still Federation, you'd be like, that's wrong on all levels because mm. that's kind of what the Federation and Starfleet is completely anti. But she's quite a damaged person at the point that we see her. So you can understand how she's got to the stage where she thinks that's acceptable, even though it isn't. What did you think, Ben? No, agreed. I think there's probably some character development I felt was missing that kind of showed her as she is now and why she'd take that into her own hands the way she did. It did seem slightly unbelievable, but it tried to set it up as though we should understand why. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I was quite happy with the outcome, really. Oh, were you? I mean, it depends. You move into territory of ethics versus morals, don't you? Yeah. And you have to look at the whole big picture, which is what we've ever seen her being, is her, the humanity side of her being post-Borg, and we haven't seen the gap of what's gone on in her life. And as we're seeing with Picard, we all have this rose-tinted view of people. Including the series. Indeed. When well, we've said this, haven't we? We just love Picard, yeah. well, no matter what. But what we're seeing of the past, and Mark picks it up, and I think last episode he picked it up, we're seeing elements of Picard that we haven't seen before. Now, bearing in mind what you need to take into this to give you a full understanding of the characters, he's shattered, he's not well, he's been travelling for a while, people have their limits, and at some point you're going to snap and you're going to be maybe less tolerant or even take the time to nicely approach something. You're probably just going to say how it is and just go, do you know what, if you don't like what I'm saying, it is what it is, but I'm really tired. For me, that episode with Seven of Nine, I made the allowance of the fact that she's probably had a whole 30 years, is it? 25 years since we saw her, of having a bit of a shit laugh. And so I just thought, if, if she's just in that place right now let it happen I just thought it was an interesting morality question I mean at the end of the day it's a TV series so I'd take it with a pinch of salt but it was quite an interesting little quandary to see what people thought about what she did and yeah. whether our prejudices towards that character stood in the way of how we might have reacted if say Batman walked into the room and mowed down the person who'd killed his parents or you know something like that well that was the thing with Batman in one of the films he doesn't carry a gun and I think it was the Ben Affleck film in the comics he doesn't carry a gun like Superman I think they gave him a gun to save money on him flying everywhere <laughs> they went I can't, we can't really film him flying because we haven't got the budget but if we just use him it's fine and, and if we can make sure he's wearing the same pants as the person in the previous film not the brown pants <laughs> I think you say it's just a TV show and you take it with a pinch of salt but what that shows is a mirror to humanity and how we should behave well, that was why the old Next Gen because you're a fan of Next Gen as well aren't you Ben mm. it always allowed you to go away feeling that you've been served a decent episode that's allowed you as an individual to think about what you would do I've mentioned this before you always pose the question is like okay bit of a dilemma here how would I deal with it so although it is a TV show and although you do take it with a pinch of salt from a creative aspect it does have a meta effect in so much as in the real world how we should treat people how people are what we should allow ourselves to be embroiled in I think that's how Next Gen used to work very well it had the encapsulated episodes yes because it wasn't a serialised story and I was actually talking to my dad on the way over here about this and how you could watch a single episode a question would be posed like that and you could walk away feeling hmm that's a quandary here we've got a question or is it a question going across a whole 10 episodes and that's the thing I'm not sure if I'm a fan of the serialisation of the story we took um, literally last episode didn't we we mentioned about the fact that yeah. people absorb television in a much different way now mm. and as you rightly say it was episodic and you could go away but now it's, you've got to wait 13 episodes or 10 episodes and thinking alright what's the payoff Because is, is the question of morality you know is it going to be that O is actually saving the people you know maybe she wants to kill Soji because Soji is bad so maybe the, you know, the morality point is still there and it's going to play out over the full series I don't know I guess because Seven of Nine was such a fleeting appearance in the show it was quite a big question to pose for such a short appearance in the series really wasn't it towards the end you had Elnor picked up the Fennis Ranger SOS button that 
seven gift Bicard just before they left saying press that button if you ever need me and he was so like we're assuming he's he, called he, he for could, help he was getting uh, repetitive strain just from tapping that button as fast <laughs> as he could so I'm pretty certain she's going to be she's been going will you stop pushing that button like the red telephone isn't it <laughs> Commissioner Gordon's on the phone what do you want yeah. again press one if you'd like seven of nine we're going to see seven again. She'll come back and be Queen Bee. Queen Bee. Is that your theory? Yeah, Queen Bee of the XBs. Nice. On the ball okay. cube. Is that the band name? It could be, couldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. This could be one of them tribute bands. Hailing frequencies open. We also had a comment about the show as well from Rick Hall. He said, just listen to the first episode. Well done, guys. Live long and prosper. I went back just asking what he thought about Trek. At this point, he slightly dropped a bombshell because he was like, I was at the Hollywood premiere and saw the first three episodes. I was like, oh, oh name, mate, nice. Name dropper. Nice. Mm. So if there's any spare tickets going, Rick, let us know. I'd love to come along. He also guests on Starfleet Underground podcast. I've not listened to him yet. Shout out to you guys. Yeah, well done. Yeah, that was it for the comments. The poll for this episode is out now. You can find it on Twitter. It's at Picard Talk. I suppose we should get on with this episode, shouldn't we, really? Two marks deep delve. Let me give the listeners this week's summary slash synopsis. Picard and Soji transport to the planet Nepenthe, home to some old and trusted friends. As the rest of the La Serena crew attempt to join them, Picard helps Soji make sense of her recently unlocked memories. Meanwhile, Hugh and Elnor are left on the ball cube and must face an angered Nerissa. Discuss. What do you think, Ben? Did you enjoy this? I did. I would give it a ten. I would have given it a ten if oh, Riker had too soon, there, oh, fella. Oh. If Riker had mounted his chair with his leg like that, <laughs> how, does get, how does it go? That. Now that listeners is just for the benefit, he's just kicked the mic with the sexy elevation of his leg. Yes. I don't think Riker's hips will do it nowadays. That's why <laughs> his legs too fat. <laughs> So yeah, it, I loved, I, it. I loved this, it. What about you? It was like classic bread and butter. It was a bread and butter episode, wasn't it? It was like a warm comfort blanket of wonderfulness. I mean, the chemistry between them it was so much better than the new crew and JL. I felt I needed this yeah. because throughout this series, it's all been very doom and gloom. And Picard, up to this point, I've almost got to the stage where I don't like the guy. He's not my Picard. He isn't the Picard I remember. And I appreciate that over 15 years he'll change. And with the Romulan storyline, there's an awful lot's happened since we last saw him. But he has almost fundamentally changed to be a selfish ass. I think that was actually recognised when Troy reminded him of being the Picard of old. And then he sat around the, the table, the, the ready room, and said, thoughts. And it was just like old Picard. Well, that's, that, that's yeah. why I needed it, because those two characters, Troy and Riker, are probably the only two people who could tell him, you're being a dick pack it in because it, there was that love the way they did it was so warmly mm. and friendly it felt like he was getting a reboot mm, he, yeah. he, I mean they even downgraded him to Captain Picard didn't they yeah, so yeah. It, again it felt like I was getting him back he was now my Picard of old and so I'm hoping that from this point on, he's not the ass that we've come to become acquainted with because I didn't like him. Wearing up to children. Let's just point out, he did try to start a fight with a three-year-old girl who just found out that her life had shattered around her ankles. <laughs> yeah, but most kids are dicks, aren't they? <laughs> but we can't promote the starting fights. Having a planet-based episode that was literally Troy and Riker-centric to provide this other voice of reason, I suppose. Because he has changed, but I think, as, as I've mentioned, it's to do with the stuff that's going on i mean would you be a happy man if you didn't have long to live well look 
thinking about this episode, not an awful lot happened. If you look at the Soji storyline, she's basically found out everything we already knew. In the first 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And rather harshly as well. I mean, Jesus Christ, Picard learned a little bit of diplomacy skills again, my friend. How rusty was he? <laughs> Conversation with a young girl that just so happens to drop the bomb that A, your dad was a robot. B, your robot robot. Oh, and did I forget to mention your sister's dead? Um, it's like... Just in time for tea. Yeah. The Soji story was her catching up on what we already knew. The ball cue, that lasted about five minutes of basically the Romans executing everyone, so not an awful lot happened there. The Rios storyline and the Gerati storyline was basically them trying to get from the cube to where Picard is. Nothing really happened. It was all very centric upon Riker and Troy telling Picard he was being an ass. And but doing it in that Star Trek Next Generation way of which of, works, which just it felt like. Honestly, I was dead sentimental about it. All we've seen it from is Picard's perspective. He's now being presented with his old friends who he clearly hasn't spoken to for a while because he stalls when Shin Soji asks him who they are to him. There's well, about a two-second response delay time, which is old friends. Well, I, I go further than that because we obviously find out that their son died and it mm. seems that Picard saw their son twice and hasn't visited them since that son died. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty shitty thing to do by any stretch of the imagination, but unlike like a lot of the other characters that we've come across whose first words out of Picard have been you're a dick I haven't seen you for 15 years at no point was no. that ever suggested they were as warm and loving towards him as if none of that had happened well I must admit I was I was expecting the Riker Picard reunion to be a little bit cold and apart from covering him in flour <laughs> you know he was alright with him wasn't he yeah. oh but he was but, brilliant with him but it, was, it was a really he, he was Riker yeah, it was, it was, it was just exactly embrace. Just a really nice way to tell the story. I'm glad they compromised the other story arcs and also gave it a 58 minute runtime because it, I think we felt that we we didn't just have a, a five minute seven of nine or 35 second hue. We got a proper full episode of Riker and Troy doing what they do best. And I think Troy's counselling actually was the best counselling she's ever done compared to even on the Enterprise. Her counselling wasn't that good. Slightly put out by the fact that she was allowed to wear comfy clothes <laughs> and actually be character to base because that Troy character originally was very much there for eye candy wasn't it and thank- thankfully they realised that A she's a good actress and B there was some substance to that character so and she I'm was able to that. develop she essentially was a female superhero for those who needed advice and in fact actually he was the first person to coin the phrase emotional intelligence which is what I felt this was about it lends itself again to what you've talked about over a couple of episodes which is you know Picard has been manipulating people through being damaged which again he mentions that it's a bit of a motley club crew, he says. He using uh, negative emotional intelligence to get what you want through manipulation. Mm. Emotional intelligence has been defined by Peter Salovey and John Mayer as the ability to monitor one's own and other people's emotions to discriminate between different emotions and label them appropriately and then use emotional intelligence to guide thinking and behaviour. And Mic that's exactly <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> to support what I'm saying is this episode clearly fundamentally explains how they're using that to tell Picard you're wrong you need to rethink what you how you're approaching and using Diana Troy and Riker as a vehicle to do that which is classic mm. and, and I think that's amazing that's why you two are so sentimental and emotional about it is because it just brings you back to that you've returned to the Enterprise haven't you well it was that line she said to him after he'd start, tried to start the fight with the 
perfectly innocent teenager. She said you need to be that Picard that was was considerate and thoughtful. And it was like, you're absolutely right, Diana. I've been screaming at the screen for the last six episodes. What I would be interested to know, particularly to anyone listening to this show, is I've got somebody who hopefully will come and guess on the show as well. They haven't watched any of the previous Star Trek series. They first came across Star Trek because of their age, the J.J. Abrahams films. And so Discovery and this are sort of their first exposures to the series. Now, us three, bearing in mind we're all next-gen nerds, have a great affinity for this. Mm. But I'd be interested to know people who don't have that attachment to the older series, how they felt about this. Was this a bit of a slow, I don't really, I feel like I'm left out? Because when I was talking to them about last week's show, they could see that Picard was suffering from a form of PTSD by being on the Borg Cube. And because of a couple of the scenes within that episode, they knew he must have been assimilated because they were quite blatant about it. But they had no knowledge of his actual assimilation or the Locutus thing. They had no idea of first contact. So he, he had no understanding of that background no. knowledge. And that's valuable. And it was quite interesting to see that he was still enjoying it and understanding it, but probably from a completely different place to fr- from where we were looking at yeah. it. The context is important, isn't it, when you talk about things? Well, as Lorca said, context is for kings, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, on our side, go further and say, nobody can tell you about anything they've never done or experienced, which is why when Diana says, well, in fact, Riker says about having children, Picard's never had children. So he's seen it merely from a very myopic, uh, maybe Captain Picard-esque style of, of leadership. You know, they're the traits he's always displayed during his tenure within Starfleet. He's seen it. And we mentioned this, I think, in episode four or five about the fact he didn't like children. It's never been his go-to place. So he's dealing essentially with someone who's three years old, acting out and, and going through adolescence or all those things. You've got two parents who've brought up two kids and seemingly very well, high achievers, very intelligent, creative. And they're saying, we know, have to approach it from a different vector, add another layer to this Onion episode. Yeah, I just loved it. There's no other way around. I just thought those two characters were phenomenal mm. I mean when Picard first racks up and he sort of says to Will oh look the, the shit's hit the van and it might be Romulans and then Riker just goes into Riker mode he's shields like up. shields up and, and you know it's that that. I was like oh come on get that leg over that all, yeah. all next generation all next generation yeah. fans would have got the shields up thing straight away and gone Ooh, I'm, in. I'm in I'm in I'm, I'm in. on I'm on board a sign. I'm here I don't worry about it Will I've got you back kid I was just loved it I like the fact that the Picard and Diana managed to just talk Picard down because most of this season has been the way he's got people on the crew mm. and they are a bag of spanners compared to Next Gen with the Next Gen seem to be well-rounded grounded people he's just picking people who are at the edge of society with addiction and trauma and everything else and they're going to act differently and it's not even the right they're not working under a Starfleet premise either they're working under let's just go rogue and the ends justify the means I'm glad of this episode because I think what this has done is it's centred it again it's answered a lot of things so when we move into the last three episodes is it yeah it is yeah, yeah there's only three left so we're moving into the last three episodes and we get now I think I'm going to take a, a bit of a, a leap at this and assume that the next three episodes are going to be just action packed to wrap this whole thing up I think that was our breather <laughs> before the final sprint yeah we've talked about this about a few times now where you'd always have your classic planet based Trek episode 
Yeah. And that would just give you a little bit of a... <sighs> well, not completely, because there were still bunny rabbits that had venom sacks. So I couldn't <laughs> relax entirely, because with shit like that knocking around, you've always got to be on your toes, haven't you? And a pizza oven on fire. <laughs> yeah, and a, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, first world problems, you know what I mean? <laughs> when it was panning down and you just saw the lovely waterfall, and I thought it was like the intro to Watership Down. And the next minute, they're eating it for tea. <laughs> oh, it was so heartbreaking, though, wasn't it? When you found out why it was that they were on that planet. Thaddeus. Yeah. yeah, because of the... The, the fact that their son had a curable disease that couldn't be cured because synths had been made mm. illegal and that this planet with its regenerative powers was hopefully going to enable them to address that issue and that they couldn't I mean it was really poignant but it wasn't too on the nose either. either. Does the name Thaddeus have any, you know, reason or anything? I don't know if Thaddeus had any kind of Greek mythology meaning behind that or if I'm trying to read too much into it. Well, no, no, I go Greek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're just making all kinds of stuff up, aren't we? <laughs> well, to be fair, Ben's just literally saying shit and not fact-checking. He goes, isn't there aliens in this called uh, the Warbar and the Flong, Flong, the Flong ah, no, aliens? No, 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 no. But if you say it with enough confidence, you own it, don't you? Exactly. So, um, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fine, Your Honour. Yeah. <laughs> well, seeing as though we started with the Tri-Riker family, let's stick with this a little bit more. I mean, what did we think of uh, Tri-Riker Jr.? Kestra. Kestra. Annoying. A bit pretentious. I thought that's how I felt initially when I saw her, but she warmed on me. I mean, she's got some boundary issues, which is, A, staring at someone while they're in the shower, having just met them, mm. and secondly, drawing a picture of them while they're sleeping, having just met them. Someone perhaps needs to have a conversation with the child to go, you know what, people need their space sometimes. But apart from that, I thought, I thought she was all right. Uh, well, Ben picked up on something that I kind of clocked as well, which I'm sure he'll explain in a minute, but the thing I just thought was like, well, she obviously hasn't been around people because she was a bit clear. If you've just arrived on a planet and the person, every time you open, open your eyes, they're literally right in front of you looking at you. That's some serious serial killer shit going on, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, and drawing pictures of you is like, no, mate, you just need to step away from the crayons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you be happy with some with some child? No, I, I think if you get over those boundary issues that she clearly has, I, I thought she was quite. I thought she was very funny. She had that Riker wit about her. She's been homeschooled, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. you can tell because it's just hair on a planet or whatever she is. No one else. Twelve languages. Twelve languages made up. Mean sod all in the real world. Not transferable skills there at all. <laughs> you know, imagine her going for a job interview. What can you do? Well, I can speak eleven languages that no one else in the world does, apart from mum and dad who are dead now on a planet because we had a rabbit had big venom sacks and we didn't cut them out. It's like, all right, what can you do now? Well, I can throw arrows, but I'm a pacifist, so I wouldn't really throw arrows. But I'll just tell you, I will. So I'll lie at you. And I watch you shower. And I watch you shower naked, and also draw pictures of you. Like, okay. Hey, uh, next. <laughs> anyway, Ben, what did you think? <laughs> well, well, it's not so much a comment on the character as the actress, and I feel bad for criticising a, a child actor, but she... Yeah, no, you kick in there. Yeah, you really dig into that child, Ben. <laughs> but, but, it, she was just over the top. She felt like a drama school child. Yeah, I agree. Over the top, overly emotive, and you do see that in child actors quite a bit. All the time, now. Yeah, you just need to reel it back in a bit, make it more realistic. You mean like uh, Troy's gardening gear? Like a cleavage top? Yeah, with the really tight top with the high heels on while she's pruning a bush What? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't think that through, did you, sir? It got the viewers a little bit hot round the collar, didn't it? And Charlie Dimmick approached the gardening. If you haven't got your tomatoes (laughs) out on display uh, while you walk round with tight pants and thigh heel boots that you've just come off the panto mine with, it was inappropriate (laughs) behaviour. 
You do forget as well, the other thing I noticed was, well, I didn't notice it. It just reminded me of just how big Frakes is. Oh, it's huge, wasn't it? He's from behind. Huge, he seems wide. Oh, he's enormous. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, tall as well. Because when he stands next to Picard, who uh, obviously Patrick Stewart shrunk with age a little bit course, as well. Yeah. Um, Frakes doesn't seem to have started any shrinking process yet. Because I remember in Next Gen, there was always that big size difference. But And this one, we're like, shit, man, he's like a giant. Like BFG, wasn't it, when he yeah. put his arm around it? It was. But if you notice how they designed the Enterprise D bridge, it was on a slope, wasn't it? So they always had Riker upstage, <laughs> talking upstage. So we'd be down at the front by the, by the comms. Well, he always had his crotching Data's face, didn't he? <laughs> Was that a spin-off show that I missed? <laughs> yeah. Um. Talking of spin-off shows, I would watch Pizza Chef Riker any day. Oh, yeah. Start cooking with Riker. Oh, okay. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, on a Saturday morning. Yeah, it'd be lovely. Calming. Yeah. With his tomato pizza. Basil, tomato, anything I'd watch. Well, okay. I don't know. He, he shoves it under your nose. He shoves it under your nose with no warning. He goes, Oi, smell this. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Burn land again. Where I come from, you punch someone before you find out what it is they've just shoved under your nose. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's never this. usually a good thing. Followed by pull my finger. Yeah, love that. All over that. But I, I guess we should move on to because there's plenty of other things to discuss. There like Girati. I know. What a. <laughs> Tell, well, seeing as we've got Ben. I mean, I think the listeners kind of know where we stand on on some of these other characters. It'd be quite nice to get. Yeah. What do you think of Girati? I, I'm not a fan of the character at all. I mean, I think she's got a very unlikable face, and I shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Um, so it's very hard to feel attached to a character that looks like that. The Rios is. She permanently looks like she's going to cry, and I don't know whether it's the actress or whether she's been told to do it that way. But she's permanently got these blotchy eyes and this mm. this you know that whole I'm just about to cry or I've been crying look on her face, which. I after a while just gets a bit tiresome and one-dimensional and I just yeah. feel she's a bit wet and irritating. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right there. She's got two emotions, isn't she? Kind of blank and sad. Girati's like an allergy. I'm waiting for the punchline. Yeah. No, it's just all of the things that happen when you have an allergy with your eyes running, your yeah. nose running. Oh, it's like hair off. fever. It's, it's like yeah. really bad hair yeah. fever, isn't just it? Look, you just look at it and I feel ill. Yeah. I look at it and I feel sick. I have to have paracetamol before watching the mm. episode. Let me take my uh, moral high ground here as the person who's now finished the prequel book. <laughs> she's in that book book and not as any particular major role per se but she was a student of Maddox which is how they get together and if I was going to describe her in the book as well she is just like a wet fart in the wind it's just the so it's how she's been written then she, yeah I don't necessarily think there's a criticism of how she's been acted no. Ben's done all that already <laughs> yeah he's gagged in oh, there yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the nice person here it's not your fault in case you want to be a guest on the show noting this is all for legal purposes <laughs> <laughs> she's not growing on me and quite frankly having had someone implant an idea of the apocalyptic future with no question as to where that apocalyptic future vision has come from and how she's arrived at it or where's the evidence to support it she's just assumed that shit's going to happen and therefore I now need to go murder people who I fall in love with and destroy mm. people I've never met. I just don't buy it. I think they're trying to explain the, the conflicted face that she has all the time with the, the kind of flashback to the O forced mind meld, which I wasn't a fan of because that felt, I don't know, it felt very intrusive and very un-Vulcan. But also, just to cut across you there, Ben, what it does confirm is she's not a Romulan like people thought. Yes, but people thought the question she's... I have, does the, have the Vulcans and Romulans worked together in the past or are we to assume that they are now? Well, they have to now by default because they've got nowhere to live. They've had um, engagements before but in terms of the mind meld mm. that's not a Romulan thing no no definitely but fans were thinking that she was a Romulan and the spy well clearly she isn't Yeah. now that kind of lends to what 
Mark brought up at the very top of this episode, which was, is she trying to stop the threat that is Soji? It opens that. Because we literally last week in the last week's episode said we haven't seen Commander O. And then boom, she's back on that flashback oh, that we them, saw. Them ears, them ears and them sun... I mean, the ears, she's got long hair, which seems to be resting on the prosthetics, which <laughs> seems to push them further and further out. She does look like the BFG. And then she's got these bloody sunglasses that are also super mega wide, which I presume is to go with the pointy ear thing. Can I ask um, what they are for? Ridic- well, what are the, what are the sunglasses for? Have we established that? Sun. 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 <laughs> well, why isn't so? Why isn't Jurati wearing? Well, she's got hair fever. It wouldn't. It wouldn't solve the problem, would it? She just, or cataracts. She, yeah. <laughs> she she still suffers from blotchy red eyes. <laughs> Maybe because they're so puffy, it doesn't let any light in. Okay, so we're just going with the simple fact that sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and it's just because they're sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I guess my question is: she gives her the Viagra pill <laughs> that uh, that she then makes a chew. She's like, yeah, girl, swallow this. Um, (laughs) Mark said that a few times in his life. (laughs) Um, Obviously, she just does. But that is the thing that Narek uses to track them at the end. And so I guess my question is, does Narek know about the tracking device in her because her sister, who's acting as a double agent, has told him? Uh, Or is it because the Federation are in cahoots with these shat Fudge. Are they in cahoots with them, which is how they know that. It wasn't like he accidentally stumbled across the fact that Gerati was walking around with this blue yeah. thing inside her. She has had the horn ever since, though. So, <laughs> unless they've mixed up the red pill and the blue pill. It does explain the whole Rios. What's it Je called? No, no, it's no. What, uh, what's the rendezvous? Uh, the Menage That's the one. We'll get oh, there in the Menage end. Menage Troy. Yeah. That was an episode, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. So I can't take ownership of that, but it is fucking funny. That's a really good theory. The the thing it does show is a collaboration between whether Narek is in fact a double-double agent and isn't agreeing with the agenda that his sister's got and is working with Commander O, who's actually not a villain and wants to track all of this through through to its natural fruition. I think a little bit of my brain's just dribbled out of my ears there because that's some serious... Gerati. some double-agently, double-double-double-double agent. Double bluff. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't know who Gerati is, whether she is a synth or whether she's we know she's got a massive porn collection though because <laughs> O's clocked to download in it they've got that from the discovery they've clearly come in contact with that probe it's like 16 gigs worth of porn it's like get rid of that quick if you die who's going to get rid of that for you from your house <laughs> and that isn't a thing people I know actually have friends who are given one task to empty their house of all porn stuff <laughs> when they die <laughs> Do you think it's the same porn collection that they did find off the uh, just thing it round. In, in Discovery? <laughs> yeah, because we reckon that, you know, that big data dump that, that the... Um, Not to be that, confused with the character data. <laughs> yeah, you know, the big data dump that they did on Discovery yeah. from that planet thing. Well, we just reckon that was just an enormous library of porn. And maybe they've just passed it down through the generations. You do? Well, it's like, isn't it a willable asset? <laughs> <laughs> it's an asset isn't I mean it? it's, it's a, got no value other than the fact that if you've got some 13 year old person instead of cutting out page 3 pages you could just basically get yourself a collection well maybe the 1970s magazines are collectibles Retro these days is best yeah who knows so maybe that pawn from Discovery is now a highly valuable asset for yeah. Gerati well I mean that's a couple of hundred years ago how big is that now that data dump is going to be in its quadrabytes quadru- isn't it well I mean she clearly accidentally downloaded it to Picard's computer along with the information he actually asked for in the first place because I don't remember him asking for her 
porn collection. She accepted cookies when she shouldn't. <laughs> and next minute, you've just got. I never, I never went on these sites. I've just checked your history, my friend. Google thing where you can go and no one knows you've In been doing. Incognito mode. Oh, you know it. Oh yeah, somebody yeah. knows. Yeah, it. Yeah. Hey, hey. Oh, Ben's showing his true colours. Little man with his glasses that says hello. Clip an echo with too much information. Yeah. She nearly came clear, didn't she? I mean, I guess this is where I get irritated about the whole Girati character because towards the end, she's just about to say, "Oh, it was me who they were tracking." She seems to decide that she's gonna she's gonna clear it from a system or damage it by killing herself, but doesn't at any point think to tell the people who could arguably help her by saying, oh, listen, guys, it's me. I've made a bit of a mistake. Here's the reason why. And it's, it's sort of a legitimate reason, obviously, apart from the murder bit, which I have a bit more difficulty explaining. But she said she just practically kills herself. Yeah. No. I I, mean, I didn't like the fact that the tracker stopped working when she's in a coma. So it's not even the fact that she had died and it stopped working. It stopped working when she was in a coma. She's still alive, still functioning, apart from being awake and walking around. And that just seemed a bit of a convenient plot point. When she also is aware of the fact she's got a tracker in yeah. there. So she had to chew it because it dissolved in her body. Because normally if you swallowed like a toy soldier or a battery, you'd just poo it out, wouldn't you? I think some kind of biotech. I yeah, I think, I think by chewing it, you broke it up and it got into your blood. So, okay. I mean, listen, okay. <laughs> we're surmising about a fake sci-fi technology that doesn't yet exist. I but let's go, let's, <laughs> let's go with our conclusions because no one can do prove it can they <laughs> also the people who control the airwaves control the narrative so uh, we're right <laughs> yeah let us know and we'll delete that comment <laughs> do another one of your own <laughs> yeah exactly we'll go with that they're gonna find out obviously at some point which is kind of it, we're now at that irritating stage in this character's storyline where she's kind of a, a damaged body and we all know it and she's kind of starting to let it slip and all the evidence is now starting to point towards her being that person but we're not quite there yet so we're on that precipice of oh just figure it out will you people I think the EMT can't can't the EMT say now that she killed Maddox no I've got, I still got an he issue he didn't see her do that did he not she no he switched said, no, her off he, oh, she, 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 she switched yeah. her off so oh. I said to you that they've got the Hippocratic Oath yeah. to do no harm I made the mistake there is that even if he had seen her you got the client confidentiality agreement no 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 no, 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 no that's no, no, not no. correct from the two lawyers standing <laughs> over if he'd taken an illegal drug and was poorly they couldn't necessarily disclose that unless it was relevant but the fact that she's murdered him he's got no confidentiality to her that the Hippocratic Oath doesn't cover her. Confidentiality. Confident- oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's so what happened with Harold Shipman then? I don't think any doctors knew he was killing okay. people. Yeah. Or did they just turn a blind eye to it? And they tune in to find out. Conspiracy theory, that's a different show. <laughs> <when I'm laughs> <with laughs> Another podcast right there. You're saying that if he saw her kill, yeah. he would have to report that to a higher Yeah, I think he was yeah. just switched okay. off and he okay. could Well, that makes sense. It. Well, we said that we thought he was. But one assumes that when he died, the EMH, medical EMH, did an autopsy to figure out why it was he was dead. They didn't just go, oh, he's dead. Oh, mm. throw him out of the oh. tube. Uh, <laughs> that what we do with bodies now. The torpedo, the torpedo tube. tube. But the other question that I was more concerned about is the the one who was activated upon her falling over. No one called for him. He was aware of her state through either biometric sensors and the ship and everything else and just stood there and watched like most people in today's society like come across filming things he didn't do anything he just looked at her and she just went into a coma we didn't see any medical yeah. assistance there did we is he any good is the question I suppose, I've got. I suppose she was lying in the bed so he's, he he's picked put her, in the bed. her in the bed yeah. her in. and she's in a coma which means she's stable whereas when we last saw her with white stuff dribbling out Frothing. of her, her mouth yeah it, she, it didn't look like if you left her in that state for much longer she was going to be around for the next episode Episode. The last time you saw her dribbling, she was on Rios. Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm amazed she lasted. <laughs> <laughs> 
Slow burn, he's just picked up on that. She was well on me, Osha, yeah, last time I saw her dribbling well, foaming. I was, I was just about to go down an equally dark alley because she'd just been spending time in uh, Rafi's world, so it's no wonder that she was ended up That's looking true. like she was yeah. half-baked. I just felt that I think through early intervention, the medical emergency hologram could have probably done something more than just put her in a bed. Anyone well, could have done that. I'm a bit disappointed with these EMHs because they don't seem to have served any purpose whatsoever except for being a little bit of comedic humour when we first got on the ship because they haven't done anything. They keep the they? wage bill down. Yeah, it's like we haven't got a doctor, so we'll bring him up, but we don't see him doing anything. He's not serving any purpose. He's not doing any medical examinations. He's as shit as the doctor on Discovery who failed whilst treating bloody uh, <laughs> what's-his-face to pick up on the fact that he was a Klingon. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, well, um, upon medical investigation, it seems he's got two hearts, two lungs, seven legs, um, weird bones. Uh, his blood doesn't look to be human, but we'll make him head of security. Off you pop. And he's like, dude, come on to now. To be fair, the Jurati would have slipped through the net because of having taken that Viagra. Her heartbeat would be increased. She would have redness around the neck and her endorphin level would have created a higher level of serotonin in the brain. Probably would have given a false positive. Well, again, if the EMH had seen that she'd been spending time with Rafi, she'd assume they'd just been to a smack den or something because <laughs> so gonna because Tuesday I had to I had to be honest I don't like the Gerati character but I did fear for her life slightly <laughs> when Rafi went right come with me look young lady let's go to Rafi's world and I'm thinking shit man what's <laughs> going to happen to you we're going to end up just with some debauchery of darkness Rafi who's now gone into jogging bottoms <laughs> Uh, a huge onesie stroke dressing gown pigtails walking around with a vape and nonsense what's that about I, I, I still love her I, I, I think she's she an amazing character I do I, I just think she's such a, a complex character and this this actress who's playing her so well it, she's not playing her over the top she's just she's playing her straight down the middle but damaged enough mm. where you can believe where she's at and again I hate to bang on about it but as I'm the only one who's read it I'm going to take this um, <laughs> in the book it, it explains a lot about that character and why Picard holds her in such high regard how she's ended up where she is it adds an awful lot of layers to that character and I've got quite an appreciation for her the only thing I'm particularly pissed off about is the fact that Rios seems to have added two and two together and come up with 4,527 by going, oh, I think it might be Rafi who's, who's blown us up to the Rombulans. It's like, if you know anything about Rafi's backstory, particularly from the book, you know that she being in cahoots with the Romulans would be probably the last thing that she would ever do. But I think he's playing them off. I think this is a um, Poirot-style thing. I think he's using this EQ again, this emotional quantus, to, to bring out the people who are not playing the game. Well, I, I thought that to begin with and Ben yeah. you said exactly what was running in my head when he was quizzing Gerard and he's going now maybe it's Rafi I thought he was just luring her into a false sense because both her and Rafi had said look why don't you go in and say that and get the truth out of Gerard because she's looking a bit suspicious because she keeps randomly breaking down in tears she's homesick no though isn't she? she's, she's homesick and also has no one watched Columbo has, <laughs> has nobody watched ever any episode of, yeah Columbo does that all the time he plays thick and then he goes oh um, yes and he knew all along come on this is classic Agatha Christie shit this no no but it made sense mm. when he was doing it with Gerati but then when he's sitting on the bridge chair in the captain's chair quizzing Rafi about it in the same way I'm dropping going, seeds yeah well you sort of saying to Rafi well are you were you mm. Mm, I'm not sure I'm thinking well, where's this come from I, I can understand sort of the logic of why you're investigating but when you've still got the dribbling mess that is Gerati quite blatantly 
trying to tell you something and you're missing all of them signs but you instead you're going to go to the cool calm collected one who's fretting about how we shake this Romulan and come well, up with all the ideas to help you say cool calm she's she's medic- medically calm <laughs> having been drinking and Self taking drugs so to be fair it wouldn't have mattered if they were in an asteroid storm she would be as calm as a cucumber the other one who's just self-medicated herself into a coma based on the fact that she's homesick and dealt with the fact that she's just killed someone who she loved 15 years previous and got an attachment to clearly is dealing with some more PTSD and he's quizzing them both I think he's playing off one each other to find out who the bad actor is <laughs> well, we don't bad we actor can... in the girl who's just gone to Rada <laughs> I was going to say I know which bad actor I'm talking about <laughs> The thing that perturbed me was I just got settled into the, the Troy Riker Picard thing and I was grateful for the fact that he just checked him on his behaviour and it kind of reset Picard back to his old ways that we all know and love. Oh, we hope. Think, yeah, yeah, okay. I'd, be opt- I'd like to think that because I know you've brought it up and I do I do agree and I think it's sad when you you know, you know see people you've kind of been hero worshipping and then they change the dynamic and you go, oh, I don't really like the way they are now. But then I was slapped in the face by the fact that, oh yeah, we've got to tell the other part of the story. Her thing, and I haven't read the book. I have. Yeah, you're one of the th- I've mentioned that. Yeah, well, he's only one of the three people who has. So, I mean, it's hardly a focus group, is it? In terms of your background knowledge, that gives you a bit more wealth, doesn't it? However, what you need to do is, if you're an actor, actress, actor, you need to portray that having not been reading the background to it. And I think because we now know it's about her son, because we kind of misappropriated her character traits early on, didn't we? Yeah. But then when we realised she's had to be on a... Well, she's been away from her son and and she's estranged to her son and everything else. Makes sense, doesn't Mm. it? And this is why I'm saying, yes, you take it with a pinch of salt, but then if you take yourself back and think, how would you feel? This is what Next Generation always did. It challenged you to think better and and make good choices, even even though it was just sci-fi, to challenge the people and think, hang on, hang on, make you think. That's what was good about this episode. The Raffi and the Girati thing is, once again, a reality check of the fact, oh, yes, we've got that to deal with as well. Mm. And I kind of just waded through if I'm honest yeah I wasn't a big fan of it I didn't think it worked for me I don't know what you think but I didn't think it worked particularly well having been blessed with that other story I think that's the problem because the the other bits were so good and what we wanted that was a distraction yeah it was a bit like what was the other episode where they kept on pulling us away from where we wanted to be Um, on on the show they kept on going back to the cube storyline and we were like yeah Yeah. sliding yeah and we were like I don't want to be there I want to be back on the other planet doing the Picardy stuff perhaps it was a bit like that do we feel any more affinity with Soji now that we've found out a bit more I mean as I mentioned before we haven't moved the storyline along particularly she's now just caught up on all the stuff that we did although she found it all out in the same sentence which seemed a bit harsh and acting more like an android now this is interesting isn't it because i noticed that as well she's now been given the title of an android and now she's acting like an android which in sociology in the real world everyone loves the title don't they can't wear because i've got depression okay who told you that gp and that's what happens I just expected to start doing the robot dance. Well, what you could do is you could play devil's advocate and you can step outside of that and go, is she acting... Because she did that data move, didn't she, with her head that data did, which was kind of a nod to that, and whether that's just a, a piece written in for the episode. Well, I get it. Let's try this from a different angle. She's now been activated, so maybe there's parts of her character because, of course, she didn't know that she had super strength or super speed or super intelligence beforehand, but she can now perform those tasks and do those things. Maybe now what we're seeing is something that's been activated when she became activated, and I'm, I'm clutching at straws there. I appreciate mm. it. But data, as it's even talked about in the episode is all about creating the most human-esque android possible so surely you would have the human mannerisms and acting and how you, you know no head cocks and all that well look, but with all the super strength and whatnot and we that, do see a lot of head cocks <laughs> there's plenty of them in yeah. the world no but 
I get what you're saying. Flipping it slightly, if you think about when you inherit traits from your parents' mannerisms, those kind of things, if she has generally been created from the for want of a better phrase the dna of data there are possibly characteristics that will have passed in that process so perhaps that head tilt is just the same characteristic well i mean that could be true however it's very timely that now she's been told she's an android all of a sudden she starts behaving in line with how she's been defined well we haven't seen her previously because she's been in bed with narica all the time (laughs) and she playing uh duvet over the head (laughs) duvet duvet wars duvet wars she's been making dens with pillows so no we haven't but she hasn't behaved cognitively like we would expect an android to to act but because she's now been given a title i think what you're saying is true you do get stuff passed down but she's been living a life as a human that no one's gone hang on a minute love you know you've just moved a little bit robotic there mm. you're not an elect- electro pop band from the 80s are you uh, and and then suddenly you go oh by the way you're an android and she goes biddy 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 what's up biddy biddy and then suddenly starts talking like a robot it's like hang on a minute you weren't doing that before until i said the word android can i also say at this point now we've firmly established that she is a synthetic although we already knew that doesn't it make it even weirder what Narek was doing he was basically using her as a sex robot you said that a few like an enormous dildo um, all right that went dark quick <laughs> <laughs> but he is he, he she was his sex toy which is kind of weird you know what i mean it's not it's not like working an asset it's, it's just, <laughs> just use your words carefully yeah, I, know. Yeah. I, I appreciate i'm heading down a dark alley here and I, I, it's with your chance, dildo apparently yeah, with a little chance of reversing back out but she said it just <laughs> it's, it's just i don't know it just made me feel a little bit more weirded out towards narik and, and that whole brother sister vibe thing that we've been struggling with throughout this that whole this story plotline is the most bizarre ever mm. isn't it i mean it's, you've got You've got Love Island on a board cube under a duvet with a robot, which isn't what you want on a Saturday night, is it, to be fair? Well, I don't know. Clearly, <laughs> Narek did. Yeah. There's this Narek thing, you know, where we were not sure whether he actually loved her. No, Do we... he didn't. No, he's doing no. a job. He was doing a job. Is he? We definitely cold. certain about that. cold. Yeah, okay. if, if you loved her, you wouldn't leave her yeah. to die. You'd come up with a way of getting the information you needed, but helping her escape, and then you'd get in the best of both worlds. Which is the name of a nice Borg episode. And there was zero hesitation when Narek put the little magic box in that room and legged it out but no but he did use the most convoluted slowest way to kill someone ever to True. give him enough time to escape it might have looked on the cameras that he was trying to kill her but you know when you've just seen one of the others shoot someone in the head couldn't you have just done that you've moved nicely on there to the the cube thing thank you old hugh oh hugh hugh man hugh is no more but his acting was great did you i did i, I thought the death scene yeah i thought the pain and anguish on his face of everything he's built up just being destroyed i thought he was very good round good, of applause for good him. character yeah well he did an amazing job last week didn't he where he just gave picard that hug even though the age of him in comparison to where he is now mm. are, are miles away and it's a long time since he very 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 briefly appeared in next gen the way he performed yeah. that hug and the way he sold that line genuinely did make me think oh yeah that's lovely is that she was being a nice character anyway and i think the actor played him well mm. fair play it's, i feel sad that we've lost him with not really having time to know him was it necessary because if you're not going to kill him when they were just killing everyone because they were like just annihilate them all i know she said always oh, he's, he's federation but she very quickly found a workaround to justify killing him the second time round. so i'm pretty certain a woman of her intelligence could have probably come up with a reason to be able to kill him 
the first time round. It seemed a bit daft that they would just let him go and assume everything's going to be all right and he's not going to do anything silly. And again, I know they were following in him, presumably, hopefully, to lead them to where they needed to be. But I mean, on Hughes' part, that's a major faux pas because one would assume that if you've just been let go by the person who's just assassinated all your mates, you're probably not going to do what the most obvious of people would do is go straight to where you needed to be to get the hell out of Dodge. But he couldn't leave because they would have shut down all the security, wouldn't they? I don't know. But I, mean, I just think it's sad that we've lost him with the short. We didn't really get much about his story, did we? Other than he was conveniently placed at the place that Picard needed to be, which is what you said last week. Mm. And then now he's dead. So the wage bill's gone down for next season so we can employ some more people who are going to be around for five seconds. But then also, is it an act of war because he's a Federation member? So has she just caused um, an act of war well, by Well, no, killing? because she found a way around it, didn't she? She said he was breaching the treaty by doing mm. something or whatever it was that she was clinging to. Semantic. Yeah, and I'm bearing in mind she's a double agent who seems to have infiltrated the Federation. It wouldn't be a great leap for her to be able to create whatever scenario was necessary, which is kind of why I didn't particularly buy why she didn't shoot him the first time round. True. But there we go. But now it doesn't really matter, does it, because he's gone? I mean, where was Elnor the first time round? Because when we left at the end of the last episode, him and Hugh were standing next to each other and Elnor had his sword and was yeah. ready to go all kick ass and everyone. And then the next time we pick it up, Elnor's nowhere to be seen yeah, and Hugh and all his mates have been lined up and still Elnor's nowhere to be seen. I think he was shaving a hobbit's foot. <laughs> I think he must have been. He didn't show himself. Only after Hugh had been let go did he go, oh, I banged my, my sword to your quest. It's like, oh, really? Could have done with you about five <laughs> minutes ago, dude, before yeah. they all started killing me, mates. I mean, he's a very good swordsmith. However, he's not very good at fighting. <laughs> or being around when you need him to fight. Yeah, I think it's the being around because, you know, well... I would protect you from a 15-inch thick wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, what do you think about Elnor as a character? I'm indifferent, I'll be honest. I think you're quite keen on him, aren't you? I'm sure oh, he loves him. Yeah, I think he's cool. I, I think he's, he's got some good lines and moves. He feels like he is in the wrong series. He should be in Middle Earth. Don't know, he's not growing on me, but yeah. Well, Middle Earth in the village hiding while the thousands of people are fighting the, the orcs. Yeah. I mean, let's look at his history. So he, he did a bit of a kick-ass move, didn't he, when he was introduced to Picard from behind. Yeah. Tax someone from behind, just saying. Uh, and this time around, he's like, I've got, you know, I'll be with you. And, uh, and then he disappears behind the column of cubes well you see this is where the book get it's quite irritating because the book adds context to this because when they're trying to resettle Romulans there's one particular type of Romulan that, that buys into what Picard's trying to achieve and, and helps out which is the kumquat melots um, they, <laughs> say that again <laughs> the kumquat melots is that a salad? yeah they sprinkle a little bit of uh, bacon bits on top and it's like mm. <laughs> those uh, Picard really develop a real affinity and because Elnor's with him he also builds an affinity with Elnor as well so there's quite a lot of backstory to that which is part of the reason why when he needed help he went back to them to get the help and so I get why he's there I think he's a little bit underserved as a character at the minute. There's not much for a sword smith is there? Mm. Not in a world full of phases. Well it was that it was that really annoying trope fight thing where it's I've got a phaser but that's not how we do things so I'm <laughs> going to put the phaser down and we're going to have a, a hand to hand combat it's like just shoot the fucker I mean seriously yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you'd live longer. Well, she even does eventually pull the gun out, but she could have been killed at that point. I didn't understand. It's just one of those annoying things. But it's a shame because he's got some moves. He's a good character. His lines, as you've said before, were very good, but doesn't serve any plots. No. He's just a cipher, which is a name given to a character who just dragged the story forward. And that's all he is. He's a throwaway character. I mean, they left him on the bleeding ship. That's how valuable he is. They went, oh, bye. She was dead. Oh, and you've left the other person on the ship who's got a sword against Borgs, who've got a blade of shielding, adaptive technology. What's a sword going to do when your hull's been ripped out by a tractor beam? Nothing, really. It's going to be interesting to see how they keep the Borg cube as being relevant because the storyline is now technically a race to Soji's home planet to figure out what's been going on there. Whereas it seems they want to keep the Borg cube and the XBs as part and parcel of this storyline. Seven's obviously on her way now to help out because Elnor's been pushing the button of help. <laughs> Is this the one happens when all your shopping gets stuck on the conveyor belt? Exactly. It's just like <laughs> pushing that button again and again and again. No one's end up. <laughs> so she's obviously coming to the cube. The Romulan, the sister, I can't remember what her name is now. As soon as Narek found out where her home planet was, I thought she was up an Ofsky. Yeah. Okay. But she seems to have decided to stay on the cube, which makes no sense. Because instead of going to find this planet that Riker's daughter took all of five seconds to figure out, the uh, <laughs> highly intelligent, skilled, well-trained, the secret secret element of the Romulan civilization, The Shat Badge. Yeah, are still on the ball cube fighting for some bizarre reason with another one of their agents trying to follow the ship. And it's like, well, why are you doing this? Why don't you just bugger off to the bloody home planet to find out for yourselves and get there first? I do think the Borg Cube will play some significant part in the last three episodes because I think otherwise it's just been a red herring, really, and just mm. distracted the viewer from something that's more important. The whole Borg Cube assimilation and just a bit of a fact check from something that was mentioned in the last episode i don't know whether the book that you've read has any backstories this book is assumed to have been no, found there's no somewhere. mention of the cube because it's not it's not in canon at all this board cube and in fact the romulans that we were saying hadn't been assimilated they have the ones that we're taking bits off notably called the disordered are the only canonal um, Romulans to be assimilated by the Borg, which have only been mentioned in this series. Don't introduce that unless you're going to have that of value. So I don't know whether they're going to become like the fifth, like in V, the fifth columnists who are going to be a rogue band of Borg who, because they're Romulan and have this DNA structure that gives them some, some value, they don't exist in canon before this season. So I'm, I'm wondering whether they play a part and they mm. will then have some value over this Borg cube. Three episodes left and it could all change very severely. And the Borg find the way to this planet. There's a lot of players in this game now, isn't there? Well, there is. I mean, where, where did O get this information from, this foresight of what's going to happen in the future? Where, where's that come from? Well, How she got her hands on that? Let's address the elephant in the room, and I don't mean Riker's behind. <laughs> um, section 31, we keep saying it. Was a player behind the scenes and all these things that's canon and we've seen it before mentioned it last episode section 31 hasn't been hasn't been mentioned but kind of has been alluded to by the players that we've seen but the only way they could know something like this you're talking time travel aren't you yeah because they use tachyons in first contact it's already canonal right that's how they go back to Jeff and Cochran they use tachyon particles oh so that maybe there has been the Borg turn up in Enterprise because of the ones that are killed off in first contact are just floating around space and they end up in Alaska or somewhere on one of the episodes yeah. of Enterprise so now 
now we've got Borg on the earth earlier than we planned because of first contact because Q decided to click his fingers on Q, Q who and next minute we're there all of these things have happened in a way to allow the story to make it logical for section 31 to have the technology in Enterprise where they are because they approach the engineer guy who's actually embedded in the crew of Enterprise Malcolm, Malcolm yeah and so he's already working for section 31 before they find the Borg drone what's to say they didn't have this knowledge before yeah no I get that it's just it's a theory well uh, oh oh oh, oh it's oh, magic oh he's gonna break out into song then <laughs> oh, oh. oh would have had to have experienced that presumably in order to have the level of knowledge to enable to impart a vision in the way that she did it just there's a massive gaping hole in the storyline for me there I'm still not sold on how she knows what she knows in order to tell Gerati what she told her in order for Gerati just to go alright I accept that implicitly no questions asked and then go and start doing something completely contrary to her nature which is killing her lover killing her lover (laughs) yeah and trying to destroy a sentient being that she has never met before and is actually the one thing that her and Maddox have dedicated their entire lives to trying to create. It's like you're completely going against your entire Mm. life's work and one assumes you would probably ask the question of why am I doing this and should I be doing this? Whereas there seems to have been zero questions asked at any point. She's just (laughs) dropped that blue pill and gone off to party with Rios. (laughs) Quite interesting that the character who plays uh, Gerati is called Alice and pill having a pill no yeah the other thing I've just thought of there is the reason why O might not know what she's doing is because the glasses she's wearing are men in black glasses and has compl- wiped the brain yeah she, she's zapped her with the thingy me what's it and nice so she's completely forgotten what, what's gone on the day before it's like okay well maybe they told us and then they did self same thing so we, we, we now don't know yeah, that's true every week they go up by the way section 31 are involved and go have a look at this camera this is all part of a bigger experiment. Can we tell people the ending of the story in every episode and then wipe their brains before the end so that they still don't know? Do we think Narek is still going to have his fidget spinner? Oh, my you, word. You quite rightly pointed out. The only Romulan with ADHD. <laughs> he was just going for it, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, may just focus on flying your plane. It's like, what's that? I mean, it's a, it's basically a poor man's Rubik Cube right away there, isn't it? Well, it is. And if he wasn't doing that, maybe he wouldn't have been so careless as to have been tracked as following them <laughs> that frequently. Yeah. I mean, can you do two things at once? That's like, you know, those TV, those really shit TV series where they're following someone in the car and they're just... F- like a behind car, them a, a car's length away and they're travelling along a, a completely abandoned road with no other car in any sort of eye line except for just the car that's following the other car and you're going dude just check your rear view mirror will you that's only happened to people who've been dogging <laughs> I'll take your word for that so I, so I heard when the lights start flashing you need to start worrying should that window <laughs> did you get a zip file from Gerati did you so I think we should bear only man we've only got three episodes left now try and stick our flag to the mast as to where we think this is going to go and how we think this is going to end let's start with picard are we going to get the picard we love from this point on yes i agree yeah confident yes i I really hope so i've got this horrible feeling that they're going to keep on sliding in these horrible things i think the picard thing was done on purpose to check avid fans of the show and go oh hang on things have moved on a little bit and then bring him back into the... He's he's having a bit of um, 
self-realization isn't he i still think that should have come at episode five rather than episode seven they've drawn it out yeah. But yeah. We've, been, we've been dealing with a lot of background noise yeah like last episode i said to you is about being vulnerable this episode's the emotional Qantas thing and i think it really had value because i know last episode you weren't happy about picard at all no no, no. And i've, I've think, gradually grown to dislike him as we've mm. gone on and i'm glad that they it seems that they're listening to what we're saying but they've already filmed <laughs> the show good that they've clicked that he's been a bit of a noob they've just course corrected him so i'm hoping says as ben yeah. that, that he does become the Picard we know and love okay next question then what are we going to find on Soji's home planet sand <laughs> not much you I reckon think, I think what's going to happen is it's going to transpire that Soji does need to be destroyed because she is the trigger of some cataclysmic event and Picard is going to have a moral quandary because it's Data's offspring and it's all about morals and ethics and whatnot and he's going to have to pull the trigger what do we think this cataclysmic thing will be Don't dwarf know. planet implosion Okay. Well, dwarf star. So what, what do you think? Are you on board with that? I agree with Ben. I think the ethics are actually about virtuous ethics. It's slightly different than normal, normal ethics because you can still kill someone. It's how you get to the end point. So it's okay, particularly from an ethics point of view, if the ends justify the means. I think there'll be a quandary, as Ben quite rightly says. But I'm not sure. I think we'll get to a planet. It'll just be a well. There'll be some sort of metaphor for something. <laughs> no episode short of sand. I think we're going to go to a planet with two moons with sand on and they're going, right, okay, what's here? Like a cottage in the woods or something. <laughs> So, okay. I don't know. Next big question then. Does the Borg play a part in this? And if so, how do we think it ties in with the whole synthetic storyline? Because obviously the cube, we haven't finished with it yet. They're going to have to link these two somewhere. How? I think there's probably another side story between the Romulans and the Borg technology. And that's why they're hanging about on the cube still. So I think you're going to find Seven and Nine come back and be, as I say, Queen Bee to the XBs. The Romulans are going to be there fighting for the Borg tech and it's going to be a little war in the queue whilst everyone else is off on Soji's home planet. Oh, so you're splitting storylines. Yeah. Okay. Mark? I do think the Borg are going to play a big part in this. I think they've You've played... said that from day one, yeah. though, in fairness to you. I think they've purposely been left as second fiddle as a misdirect, as Ben's commenting. I believe that they're going to be... There's going to be something different going on. The black market that's been created for this Borg technology, nobody's going to let that valuable resource go mm. unchecked. As I've already said, as an army is a valuable thing, particularly for the Romulans. What we're seeing is a wider power struggle. The Borg are going to play a breakthrough story because we're kind of tying up all these little loose ends as we're going along come next episode we're probably going to end up at the planet aren't we yeah and i think that will then explain that and then you've still got two episodes left yeah. so what are you going to do with that extra material incidentally just a quick question how many go- borg does it take to change light bulb go on all of them <laughs> <laughs> you can have that for free <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, I still think that the relevance of Soji and the Borg is that she's not the means to destroy the universe. However, because of her structure of the technology that's been used to create her, the Romulans are going to be arsing around with some sort of Borg technology. And as always is the case when people mess around with stuff they don't fully understand, they're going to create some sort of weapon that will be a danger in itself Mm. and has the capacity to then absorb her technology and her abilities in with their own to create a Borg that cannot be distinguished between a normal living person and therefore they become Battlestar Galactica style yeah you can't the Cylon you you can't tell what's real and what's not real and and that's where it all goes tits up because then they destroy the real biological people to take over the universe it's like invasion of the body snatchers isn't it yeah the attempt to be more human and create from their perspective is about longevity isn't it it's about keep legacy keeping yourself going through the prism of looking human and that will ultimately 
ultimately be their undoing because you'll just create something so perfect. You're basically back into Blade Runner territory again. We mentioned the Dust Rag it City. Was, yeah. I mean, we mentioned it was like that there. So what we're going back into is Blade Runner where you're going to have people hunting down synths because they look like humans yeah. and they've infiltrated. You don't even know whether that's a Romulan plan to infiltrate the high levels of Federation with people you control through the synthetics. There's loads of theories flying, isn't there? Ooh. Have we got some Easter eggs before we, we go on to giving our scores? Warning! Warning! So just go through some of the Easter eggs that I picked up. One of which you got quite quickly was the shields up from Riker. Classic Riker manoeuvre there. I know. Rubbing of thighs from the guys here. Um, We also have the supernova rescue, which is referenced in the 2009 film that he mentions when he's grilling Captain Picard. Rios's ship, the La Serena, is caught at the very beginning in the green tractor beam. I mentioned it. It's the Borg tractor beam that we see uh, in the Next Generation episode Q Who. Commodore O submits Agnes to the Vulcan mine meld, and anyone of the original series will know that that was first done in the episode Dagger of the Mind. The Romeo knife, I made note of the fact that it looked a bit like Shinzon's knife from Nemesis. He didn't wear those leather pants like that, though, did he? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> For the benefit of the listeners, Ben just went, ooh. <laughs> and I don't know whether he's got an asthma attack going on or he's just excited. The bit that I loved that kind of references a comment I made in episode three, I think, about the Norsicans. When Kestra is aiming the arrow to his heart, he suggests he might want to aim for a head because he's obviously got the heart changed after he got stabbed by a Norsican. Witty bants from Jean-Luc there. I know. Telling people how to actually kill you, I would have just left it as it was. Yeah, I thought it was you... an Ewok to begin with when I first saw her on the... <laughs> it's when you see it. <laughs> when you see the, yeah. sort of her silhouette in the, on the hill. I'm it was a little Ewok. bit like Endor, wasn't it? It was yeah. sort of then the Jedi. I was expecting boulders to fall down the hill. <laughs> is a link to the Next Generation episode Tapestry. However, in Samaritan Snare Season 2 Next Generation, it was also established as he'd had some heart work. The homestead where Riker and Troy lived looked a bit like a hologram, didn't it? It was Because mm. when they beamed in, I wasn't sure whether that was just coming through the shields or whether it was a hologram. I just thought that was very reminiscent of the Star Trek Generations vibe from a yeah. cinematography things, and they tend to put more money into visuals than ancillary stuff like catering. <laughs> The other couple uh, in the episode Elementary, uh, Dear Data and Season 4's In Theory, there's the Sherlock Holmes vibe that Data loves. So again, we get a Sherlock Holmes Easter egg dropped into the conversation when Kestra's talking. Perving on her in the shower. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's like... That's just weird. Well, how many people want to talk about... Um, Sherlock Holmes while you're naked scrubbing your back. Well, let's just add context to that. You've just found out your entire life's fake. You're a robot. Your sister's dead. You're trying to have a shower with a comp- outside with a complete stranger watching you, <laughs> asking you stupid questions at the same time. It's like, fuck off. I just want a bit of peace and quiet to get my head around an awful lot, please. The best companion, really, if you think about it, it's probably what Soji needs right now is someone who's that friendly and can just yeah. be naive about the whole interaction. Well, she was talking about trust wasn't she throughout and and the only person she did seem to sort of very much automatically trust was Kester yeah. which was quite nice and you had the broken compass which is a metaphor of a broken being... compass <laughs> yeah it's basically don't go and shopping at pound shops what you pay for you get sometimes you buy cheap it? you buy twice <laughs> Kestra also speaks about Data's desire to be more human and that he wanted to have dreams, which kind of links to the season six next gen birthright part one and then season seven's phantasms. Which is the one where they have the telephone, you know, the telephone in the stomach thing. That was always a weird episode. (laughs) Do you remember that one? Data keeps on having this dream where he's walking down the corridor and there's these workmen. It turns out it's like an alien on the ship. But every time they they go, you're ringing. And Data goes, what do you mean? And they points at his stomach and he opens his stomach and there's a telephone. 
time. It was just all very trippy. Yeah, well, there was a few episodes about trying to get data more in line with humanity. And then they had the other one with the outrageous Akona, which is a season two. And then in Generations with the emotion chip, it developed that where the emotion chip, if you remember, because of movie, went from being dead small in the seasons to the size of a walnut. <laughs> for HD viewers in the cinemas. He wasn't quite as happy when they had to insert that. <laughs> no. It's like, uh, I think we'll miss, I think I'll just be miserable. Dr. Crusher, do you have any lube to go with this yeah. one? It's slightly Can I not bigger, chew it? It's slightly bigger than version one. Yeah. Season two, next gen, didn't have it that big. It was the size of a, of a fingernail. And then... <laughs> Size of a finger, it fit perfectly. That was the size of a fist. <laughs> Agnes refers to the Gormaganda, one of the plot points in Star Trek Discovery episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. Oh, that's the one thing I wrote down. Tyken's Rift, did anyone pick up on that? No, that no. should have been very triggering for Troy, considering the fact that it was the unique experience that she had during the massive rip in space that the Enterprise got stuck in during season four's Night Terrors. No, just me then. Okay. <laughs> No interaction between Troy and Riker would not be complete without They've the... They've obviously been married for too long then. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. How many years have they been married? Well, it's going to be over 15, because isn't it? it? Was, yeah. And they were on... And then, for seven years, they were on the Enterprise, weren't they? Yeah. And then Enterprise A is when they got married, wasn't it? On Interaction. Yeah. About 15, 20 it's years, good, isn't, it? isn't yeah. it? They used the Zardi word, which goes way back to Encounter at Farpoint. It just continues their relationship developments all the way back to then. Did they make mention of the Zindi when they were saying there was a no, problem it's yeah. this because I thought they said Zindi All right. and interestingly enough actually there's been no callbacks to anything that happened in Enterprise mm. there which you think would be when you've just carved out a huge chunk of Dallas or wherever it was they attacked Texas you would go do you remember that time <laughs> when all those aquatic and avian species attacked <laughs> do you remember us they drilled an enormous <laughs> yeah. hole in the earth yeah and they've literally a huge massive killed got, millions we've got a canyon <laughs> declared <laughs> war before we even knew they existed yeah. do you remember but, them yeah like no did you wearing those sunglasses were you <laughs> and then here, let me mind meld you the last bit we've already picked up on it is Riker recognises that uh, Soji's got Data's tendencies when she does the head tilt mm. which I think is a bit blah myself really we've kind of covered that I'm sure there was others that I've missed okay so what are you giving out of 10 Ben I'd have given it a 9 out of 10. It would have been a 10 out of 10 if uh, Riker had got his leg over as he sat on a chair. What? <laughs> <laughs> Any particular reason you've got to qualify that? It's a high score. I loved it. I thought it was really, um, took me back. It was so warm, cuddly, nostalgic. And the acting, the, the kind of the chemistry between the characters was there, which is lacking. I think I said between the, the new crew and Picard compared to how he is with the old crew. Mark? 9, because nothing's a 10, is it? <gasps> Remember, she's going in big as well. Go I on. am just to kind of support Ben, not to support him because I don't <laughs> think he can make the comment of nine on his own. I'm sure he's a grown ass adult. Just because it's Diana Troy, it's Riker, it's Picard, it's the classic three. It's back to old stories of Trek. The cinematography was wonderful, the storytelling was wonderful, the scenery, the nuances between the characters, the interaction, how it can bring you flying back to ground with Picard's approach that has built up over the past six episodes and we've been screaming at the telly to checking him and it's being okay to be checked by people who he knows loves him probably wouldn't have happened if it had been someone else yeah. all it's done is reminded him of who he really is we've got a rebirth of Picard and this was a really wholesome classic Star Trek episode visually stunning what about you? I'm going to take your nine and I'm going to beat it I'm going to ten and I'll tell you why if you took all of the other storylines out of this episode and it was just the Troy Riker one it would have still got a ten for all of the things that you've just described yeah. For me, having those extra things, even though there were some bugbears with some of the bits like Girati and what have you, for me, they were just bonuses. It yeah. was just more 
trek time on top of the amazing stuff that I was getting. The reason why I'm giving it as a 10 because I can't describe how much I felt this series needed that episode. We've already said it didn't move the storyline along an awful lot at all but what it did was it took that enormous elephant in the room which was the Picard character and gave it the opportunity to just reset itself back to how it was and I had the same feelings of excitement that I saw for episode one when we were first being introduced to Picard I got the same vibe from that episode as I did in this one but it was multiplied by the fact that Troy and Riker were just on point yeah and that's why I think this was just exactly what it needed, just the right time, because this series was in danger of me getting a bit annoyed about the run-in, whereas now I'm like, well, do you know what? Let's do this now. Yeah. It's exactly what we needed, when we needed it, how we needed it. What Boom. are you going to do if next episode's better than a 10? I don't think you will be, because you won't have Troy and Riker in. It might have Borg in it, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing, you see. My logic is that the next episode might get a 10 out of 10 because it was... It was action and thrilling and deep and fantastic. You know, it will be a 10 out of 10 for a completely different reason to why this was a 10 out of 10. This was a 10 out of 10 because it was nostalgic, but in a balanced way, it hit all the right heart chords. But without it being over the top, it was just, it was all the things that the next episodes won't be able to be because it won't carry that same gravitas that those two do. I'm glad the way they told the story that they basically embraced Picard and they weren't funny with him. Yeah. I think it would have been a different way it would have gone. If You'd have lost were. me at that point. If, yeah. they, if they'd have done that, they would have lost me. Because it just shows that they don't hold any grudges. And, and maybe the reasons because he feels guilty because of the death of the son to do with the synth ban. Well, they, they've been together through thick and thin. They've saved, saved each other's lives on countless occasions. Yeah. They know each other intimately if he didn't do things that he would have previously done you would hope that such was their close relationship they would know it's because there's something wrong he's he's in a dark place he's not right if you're if you've got someone who's suffering from really bad depression and locks themselves away and they've got a loving family around them who don't see as much of them or, or don't get to spend as much time they don't automatically assume oh they've become an arsehole what they think is well there must be something wrong with them and and you try and engage and help them you don't shut them out and this is exactly what they did with Picard whereas everyone else has just taken that stick and beat the poor bastard with it yeah they didn't that's that's right no that's why I think that's a good way to approach it (sighs) wow I feel so much better I feel I feel (laughs) uplifted yeah let us know what your thoughts are guys because it's important that you do we're on Instagram Facebook and Twitter it's at Picard talk go on that poll let us know give a vote stick a comment on there we'll give you a shout out if you do there's a little bit of an incentive there subscribe to the show share it with your friends give us a review preferably five star but just a review would be good just some feedback is always nice tell your mum yeah well <laughs> no don't any particular reason no <laughs> <laughs> don't tell your mum to be fair otherwise she'll find out about that porn collection you've got yeah, under your bed <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you feel like you can rival what we do, you don't agree with what we're saying, you know, I know Mark's always right. You might have some burning desire to do a podcast yourself. We have all of the things you need. Tell them why. Yeah, there's packages galore on the podstation.co.uk. If you wanted to do a podcast, the packages range from you're perfectly self-sufficient, you just need a platform to do it on right the way through to you don't know how to plug a microphone in and set up all the gear. We can do all that for you. There's a whole plethora of opportunities there for you. You get to pick and choose, pick and mix style. 
Yeah, pick a mix or pick hard. Indeed. Uh, there's loads of other shows on the pod station, isn't there? There is, to meet all of your requirements. And if there isn't, see previous comment for information. Indeed. Um, we'd also like you to contribute, if you don't mind. We love doing this. We want to do loads more stuff. There's bills to be paid, isn't there? If you can help contribute, that always helps. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash the pod station. There's a number of different packages available as well, so that we're not, we're not just taking money from people. There's rewards to come back. As I say, if there's, there's more opportunities for us to do more stuff then we're game for it Mark loves shopping <laughs> uh, we should say a huge thank you for Ben coming on the show you're, you're very welcome to come back you've been the calm sensible logical balance between our lunacy <laughs> have you enjoyed yourself I have thanks very much for having me it's been a pleasure if the- you were going to rate this show what would you give it oh you can't do that oh. standing there oh sorry you have to do it behind the keyboard when you get home <laughs> five out of five. Oh, thank you oh blessing oh, I'll keep the standing order going <laughs> hopefully you can come back and be a guest before the end of the series the more thoughts the merrier as far as I'm concerned so without further ado I think we're done aren't we I think so well thank you Ben and thank, thank you, you listeners yeah thank you very much guys see you later make it so number one